I'm Nick Hennigan, this is Residence 104.4 FM, flipping marvellous. And this is Literary London, where we talk about things, well, you know, literal and in London. Uh, it's all in the name. And uh, it's a bit of a first uh, for us, because not only are we uh, on FM, and of course uh, on the London Literary Pub Crawl uh, podcast, but we're also going to be on YouTube, on the Maverick Theatre channel YouTube. So if you're listening to this, I'm waving at you now. And if you're watching us, you can see I am. So, uh, so thank you for your company. Uh, it's an interesting show. It's actually the last one of uh, of this year. This year being a strange year. This year being 2020. Uh, we take the summer off. Normally, I'm at the Edinburgh Festival. I had two shows up there last year and three shows the year before. And this year, I've got no shows because it's not actually happening. Um, but we're talking about festivals with with a charming man who I've sort of got to know uh, through doing this uh, radio show, Carol Dalit, who is a, a poet and a critic. So uh, if again, if you are watching us on YouTube, you can see him there in his lovely room with the piano behind him as well. And if you're listening in stereo, perhaps you can see it as well. But so thank you very much for coming on, Carol. Um, and we're talking about festivals. You're a poet, you're a critic, um, and we're talking specifically about a festival that you're very much involved in. Um, to tell us about that. Yeah, well, it's, uh, um, it's called the John Hewitt International Festival of Literature and Ideas. And it, this year, it's an online festival. It's something we've been doing for 30 plus years uh, in Armagh, in Ireland. So every year it has met people from uh, all over Britain and Ireland and uh, all around the world, depending on, on what the themes are and so on, coming to talk about literature, about poetry, but particularly because it's Ireland, about poetry and, and the intersections with politics, and particularly because it was, is, was in the north of Ireland. Um, a lot of the things we've been talking about over the years have involved the local community, different sides of the local community, the relationship between, if you like, Belfast and London, Belfast and Dublin, and so on. And John Hewitt, who's the father figure of the whole um, uh, summer school movement that we've been involved in, uh, John Hewitt was from Belfast, and he came. Uh, he spent a lot of his time in my part of the country in the north of Ireland, which was the Glens of Antrim, and that very much uh, had been a Gaelic-speaking area, had been part of the Gaelic revival in the late nineteenth uh, century. So it was part of what gave that whole cultural uh, revival to people like W. B. Yeats and so on, which gave Ireland a lot of its identity. So uh, North, the North of Ireland is a place of very mixed identities. And since John Hewitt died in 1987, he's kind of, we see him as the poet of the Glens of Antrim, but also a very Belfast poet, a very distinctive Belfast character. And on those two things and on his kind of own political beliefs as a pacifist, a free thinker, anti-nuclear, pro-welfare state, uh, an art curator, a dramatist, as well as a poet, part of a great renaissance in Belfast and so on. So we built a, a kind of a summer school that is an ongoing debate, not about the politics and poetry of Northern Ireland, although there's enough to go on with there, I can assure you, but, but about um, poetry all around the world and poetry and politics all around the world. And so that over, the, over those years, as you can imagine, we've had poets coming from the Balkans, from Iraq, from various parts of Africa and Asia, uh, from Central and Eastern Europe, because an awful lot was happening 20, 30 years ago, 10 years ago in Central and Eastern Europe. That debate goes on, but of course, suddenly this year, everything's brought to a halt. Everyone's sitting in their own um, uh, front room, as it were. Uh, how do you keep that kind of debate going, particularly at a time when I know some people keep the debate going by being on the streets and that has come into all sorts of complications, both here and in America. So how do you keep the debate going? Well, the answer, of course, is online uh, and 
you know, I've had a lot of experience of that in terms of doing uh, discussions online, poetry workshops online and so on. This is something bigger than that. Uh, and other festivals have gone down the same route for their own reasons, some book festivals, some poetry readings and so on. So what we've got happening is the series of the kind of talks we would have been having in our man anyway, with everybody milling around and going to the bookstall afterwards and getting their books signed and so on. We haven't got all that. But what we do have is an online festival of literature and ideas. And I can sort of tell you about some of the things that are happening there. But that, that's really why it's a big development for us. Yeah, I mean, and so, was there a consideration that you cancelled it or was, uh, I mean... Again... It was basically like, like everything around about March, it was cancelled, full stop, that was it. Um, obviously, the, the money that was typically provided for something like that involved lots of people coming to the town, to Armagh, which was the old ecclesiastical and sort of antiquarian capital of Ireland. It's kind of, it's not quite halfway between north and south, but it's near the border. It's got all sorts of lovely resonances and people would come there for a whole week and sit and talk late and get up for early morning lectures and all that dynamism that goes with a festival. Um, that obviously wasn't possible. And yet within a few weeks, everyone was saying, well, look, you know, you can do a lecture on Zoom, you can do a talk on Zoom, you can have a workshop. Uh, why not put together what we would normally do? And so starting next week, we have workshops from Monday to, to Friday. Uh, so people will already have signed up for those. I think they're nearly all sold out. I'll, I'll give you the, the uh, website address at some point and people can check that out. But these are workshops on, on poetry, on, on fiction, beginning to write, that sort of thing. Um, and this cluster of events from Thursday. One probably shouldn't say cluster nowadays. We'll have to find a new non-contagion written, written vocabulary, but um, a cluster of events from Thursday through the Saturday that are a kind of a microcosm and epitome of, of the kind of things we talk about and want to talk about. Um, and of course, it has meant there are pluses and minuses. I mean, I think everybody who's having to deal with things um, in these new circumstances is finding all the negatives, but also some of the positives. And one of the positives is, for example, that um, when, we, when we came to pick who we would get to, to come and talk, um, Terence Hayes, black American poet, doesn't have to work out how he's going to fly from Pittsburgh to New York to get to Shannon, to get to Dublin, to get to Armagh, what day he's going to stay, how many days he's going to stay. Misha Glennie, who's all over the world, um, I'm actually having a conversation with him next week and he'll be sitting in Shepherd's Bush and I'll be sitting in Chiswick. It's still the John Hewitt Festival of Literature and Ideas, and it's based where it's always been based, which is in our hearts, really, isn't it? You know? Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I guess there is that, that sort of celebratory coming together, which Edinburgh, of course, the, the city of Edinburgh, I think there's going to be a massive financial uh, loss to them, but there are still groups that are taking part online. I kind of quite like the idea. I think, uh, I mean, as a writer as well, does, as it, does the kind of the, I mean, you know, obviously the, the, the pandemic's a horrible thing, uh, but the inventiveness, the creativeness, there's, there's, there's a spark of something, I think, perhaps. I mean, and let's face it, who'd ever heard of Zoom in, in you know, most of us uh, hadn't heard of Zoom, for instance, just a few short months. Yes. yes. Well, I mean, I'd, I'd used Link, uh, involved in arts organising, I'd had lots of conference calls, but we very rarely used it for anything like a poetry reading or a workshop. Uh, one of my experiences locally here in Chiswick, um, my wife Anne-Marie Fife ran the readings at the Troubadour for many years, so her Coffee House Poetry Organization has done readings, classes, workshops. Uh, we've had those readings and workshops in Chiswick as well. Um, so we've kind of been between Chiswick and Earl's Court for many years, but it meant that the people who could come to those um, events tended to be London and the Southeast. Of course, people came from further afield when it was something special, or they happened to be in London and said, what's on uh, 
this week or what's on this weekend. Bedford Park Festival was very much part of that. We ran poetry readings there. But it, uh, when it came to workshops and classes, it really was limited to the southeast of England, if you like. People would come up from Brighton or down from Cambridge for the day. But um, what we did, and in fact, I was in a series of, I was running a series of classes at Arts Ed, which was in Chiswick here at Theatre School, and we, we were using their, their rooms for our workshops. And I was halfway through a, a six week course with a bunch of people, and it literally wasn't going to continue. So we moved to an email model where I take the guest poet every week, I send out a selection of poems, um, and uh, with my views on those poems, exactly as I would do, as chatty as I would be in the workshop with all those comments on, on what you think of these poems. And people come back, and that means that they're writing on six different poets. And just as we do the workshop of their poems, which might be 10 people all bringing a poem to share, 10 people write about those 10 different poems. And I'm thinking, beginning, people, this is so much more work. It is, but it's so much more detailed. And so people are going, uh, poets are going, I'm getting so much more out of this than I would have got in my 10 minutes in the workshop. So, which isn't to say that as everything settles down, we won't be back to uh, mixing it up. But we've learned, I think, new ways in which people are. And, and in those lists of people, we've got somebody, um, people in Orkney and Delaware and Washington and Florida, um, who, who might have come to an event of ours in Chiswick had they been in London. It hardly have flown just for one. But they're certainly in part of the Every Week group, which I think is expanding people's horizons. So I don't want to make a positive benefit out of the privations that we're going through. But you can see some aspects of it, certainly. Yes, there is some soul of goodness in things evil. Did I write that? No, I don't think. I think it was Shakespeare. <laughs> I know it's very interesting. I do a thing called the London Literary Pub Crawl, which used to go out every week in Soho and Fitzrovia. And we, we did a, I tried a, a West London one, a Hammersmith and Chiswick rock and roll literary pub crawl online. Uh, and because we've got some, I mean, we'll talk a bit about Chiswick in a moment because it's an area of London. It's very interesting. But, you know, arguably one of the best recording studios is in British Grove. Uh, where the Rolling Stones did their last album. And I took some video and we did it on Zoom and played the video as we went to the walk and everyone had to have a drink at the pub, which of course was shut just the outside of the pubs. The glorious thing was that there was a family in Australia <laughs> who got up at six in the morning their time in their pyjamas with a glass of red wine. Uh, and it, 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 the, the sort of community side of it felt remarkable. Um, as you say, it doesn't quite replace being there uh, in the flesh. But we certainly, they would certainly have not known anything about Chiswick, for instance, had they not, had, they, had we not had this online facility. I mean, yeah. um, so, and I first met you, uh, Cal, I was a, you were a poet and a critic. And um, when we talked about uh, W.B. Yeats and his uh, influence in London. Um, first of all, well, two things really. How did you get started as a poet? And then what's your connection to W.B. Yeats? That's a fairly massive yeah. question. Okay. Um yeah, getting started as a poet. I mean, I think, I think, chicken and egg, it's hard to say which came first. I grew up with Yeats's poetry. Maybe everybody in Ireland will say that, that they grew up with Yeats's poetry. Um, and in fact, it was sort of so prevalent that when I was, um, you know, first going out with my girlfriend, who is now my wife, uh, I sent her a Valentine card and said, tread softly for you tread upon my dreams. Uh, I had misremembered Yeats because of Yeats was much more modern than that. He said, tread softly because you tread on my dreams. He didn't use the old fashioned four and a pawn. So there you are. I'd kind of absorbed Yeats so much that I thought of him as this 19th century figure. Whereas um, he kind of was very, very important, of course, to the sense of Irish identity uh, and what happened in terms of Ireland getting its independence. He was very, the plays he wrote had an important part to play in, in that sense of cultural identity. So I, I did Yeats at school. Um, 
was coming back to um, back to Belfast, in fact, from Paris, but stopped off to visit some friends in London, got off at Turnham Green Station and looked around and said, why, this is Bedford Park. And I'd read about Bedford Park when I was at school and I knew all of Yeats's poems and so on. And we wandered around those streets and discovered this place that he talked about, which between 1880 and 1900 and something was just a, a complete ferment of ideas of, of artists, poets, architects, anarchists. There were anarchists in Bedford Park and there was a strong element of there were there was an Asian MP living here. There was a Ukrainian anarchist. There were French painters. There was an American slavery abolitionist who, who'd come here and he was very much part of Conway Hall in, in London, in Red Lion Square. It was called after Moncure Conway, who was a Bedford Park person. And he was an American abolitionist who had come here in 1865 during the Civil War. So it was a, and of course there were people like R.A.M. Stevenson, who was Robert Louis Stevenson's cousin. There was York Powell, who was an Icelandic scholar. Oh, and of course, the place had been built to be a suburb for these kind of people. So John Butler Yeats, who was an Irish uh, lawyer, decided to give up his law lawyering and come here and be an artist, like many other uh, Irish artists were kind of dominating Victorian society at that time. Uh, came here, brought up his family here, and so his son played around these streets uh, in Bedford Park as a kid. Uh, they went back to Dublin for a few years when, when Willie Yeats was a teenager, uh, and he came back to... Uh, Bedford Park to another house, to another address here, um, uh, in 1888, when he was 22-ish. Uh, and um, those were very important years, because that's when he wrote famously The Lake Isle of Inish Free, which remains one of the nation's most uh, popular poems. I, when, and when I say the nation, it doesn't matter whether you ask Britain or Ireland, their most popular poems, The Lake Isle of Inish Free is up there, uh, and other famous poems, Easter 1916, famously, about the Easter Rising. But dozens of poems, changed the face of modern theatre, was involved with artists and um, activists of all sorts, and a great fan of William Morris, and he was really influenced by William Morris, who lived just down at Hammersmith there. W.E. Henley, who was the editor of The Observer, lived uh, just near St. Peter's Square. So all these wonderful connections were going on. So I've kind of always been interested in Yates, done classes on Yates, done lectures on him, and started doing literary walks around the area. And so many people have come to me and said, whether it's local people saying, well, I didn't know that, why isn't there something here? There is a green plaque, by the way, that Bedford Park Society put up. Why isn't there something here um, to commemorate Yeats? Uh, and they, they um, and Americans will come along and say, American academics, American poets, and say, well, this is fantastic. Nobody knows this. Well, people sort of know a bit of it, but there's nothing here to say so. So we formed a little committee and started a campaign to um, have an artwork placed here, and that's going very well. Lots of support from various funding bodies, we've had launches. We had a launch at the London Buddhist Vihara. I mean, interestingly, the London Buddhist Vihara in Chiswick um, is the old Bedford Park Club where Yates and his friends would have gone to debates on anti-imperialism, Eastern religion, Buddhist theosophy, and so on. And it's now a Buddhist Vihara. So that's where we had the launch here. We had a launch at the Irish Embassy in Grosvenor Place because they're obviously interested in Irish culture in London and the implications of that and so on. We had a launch at the Irish Embassy in Washington, and a number of Americans are quite interested in supporting the project. So it's about, but, but then you probably know, and people may, may already have heard all this, there is, Chiswick has been identified as the most writerly place, I think, in the world. Um, uh, there's a list of the number of writers who lived here over the years, and it obviously was a magnet from that time onwards for writers to come and live in Chiswick. Uh, and so there's been a, another project going on, building up 
who all the famous writers who lived in Chiswick were. So I feel I'm only one of very many writers who lived in Chiswick and paying homage to another one who, while he's just one of dozens of writers who lived in Chiswick, he's also the only one to have won a Nobel Prize. And what's interesting about winning about his winning the Nobel Prize is he's the only person brought up in England, the only poet brought up in England to have won a Nobel Prize, and there is no monument to him anywhere in England. Wow. Apart from various monuments in Ireland. So, so it's a very interesting story. And um, yeah, I've been spending a lot of time on that, but still doing the literary walks, except we didn't do any this year. Still doing the lectures, but again, that has changed slightly. So oh, we, must, we must try and put that right for, uh, I'm sure it's a WB Yeats uh, anniversary soon. Uh, I'm Nick Hennigan, talking to Cahal Dalat, uh, the poet and the critic. This is Residence 104.4 FM. It's literary London. A bit different. You could probably hear, the, you might hear the noise in the background if you're listening. On, uh, there, there are parrots, there are wild parrots in South London, uh, in West London. I, and they're noisy, aren't they? <laughs> they're very noisy. <laughs> so, they, flock, they flock beautifully. If you're out in the park at a certain point in the evening, you'll suddenly see this blackening of the sky. They're actually green parakeets, but they come up in a great flurry of parakeets, and uh, it's one of the most poetic things. I'm surprised that Yeats ever got to be a poet without having the parakeets around for inspiration, because they are just such a beautiful poetic sight. They are, but they're a bit noisy when you're trying to record. I, I'm in my garden, and uh, if you're uh, listening to us on Resonance 104.4 FM, that's great. You can also see us now on the Maverick Theatre Company YouTube website, which is something that I've started to do uh, just as we go into our summer holiday. Um, so we're a bit short on time, Carol. It's fascinating stuff. Uh, your wife, Anne-Marie, as well, she's a poet, and she's actually appeared on this radio show. There's an aeroplane going overhead now. That's, you can tell things are starting to get back uh, back back to normal again and um, and um, so how, how's she been getting on well i mean laterally very busy with online courses uh obviously the, the uh, poetry readings have stopped in the meantime her book no far shore which was launched back in uh, uh just before christmas um went famously for a couple of months we had launches in belfast we had a launch in chiswick obviously um and various planned trips which included a trip to Scandinavia where you can imagine why they're very interested in a book called No Far Shore because they're just practically opposite us in the Glens of Antrim. If you take a straight line up through Scotland, the book has a lot of Scottish coastal references and so on. So we were planning a trip to Scandinavia for Anne-Marie to launch the book and we also were booked to be in the coast of Maine right up to Nova Scotia through the autumn. All of that's on hold but meantime of course we're focusing on this and to some extent the Hewitt Festival over the years, while it's been based in Armagh, an awful lot of the connections there that have enabled us to get to the poets that we want to get there, um, it's not all poetry, but a good number of poets, um, uh, they're connections that we know from our London poetry work, uh, from people I've been interviewed and met on Saturday Review for BBC Radio 4. Um, and so Anne-Marie's been busy planning this for the past few weeks with uh, various other people on the committee in the north of Ireland and pulling the whole Hewitt Festival of Literature and Ideas together. Um, and if anyone wants to know any more about the festival, uh, have you got a couple of highlights and then perhaps you could just give us uh, how we can find out more about it? Yeah, okay, well, ju just to get that down first and I'll say it at the end, it's www.johnhewittsociety.org. That's J-O-H-N-H-E-W-I-T-T-S-O-C-I-E-T-Y.org. And on there you'll find uh, the digital festival and all the events, uh, the workshops earlier part of the week, the events running through from Thursday to Saturday. And um, the biggest event, and it's kind of terribly relevant at the minute, and partly comes out of the fact that Anne-Marie and I spent um, the first half of last year 
uh, in the American South uh, as residents in the University of North Carolina, writers and residents. And obviously, in teaching poetry, I was teaching a lot of uh, African-American poets and migrant poets, uh, POC, BAME poets, we would say here in Britain. Um, and, and the class, obviously, was half uh, African-American as well. And I brought that idea back to the Oldborough Festival and some of the poets that I'd got to know about over there. And so one of the leading um, names uh, this year, in fact, two leading names uh, on the Friday Night Poetry Gala are Terence Hayes, who has written uh, his, his latest book, his uh, sonnets for my past and future American assassins. So you can see coming from a black American perspective what he's saying about American society. And we have a BAME poet, um, Mona Arshi, who is British former human rights lawyer, just been uh, made honorary professor of English and law at Liverpool University, incidentally. And she's uh, quite quite well known in London as a as an Asian background poet. So that's the Friday Night Gala. That's quite quite important. Um, there's a discussion on John Hewitt's poetry with the poet Gerald Daw, who's a northerner but based in Dublin, with Heather Richardson and. Um, sorry, uh, my screen went there, with, with uh, poet Heather Richardson and myself talking about how Hewitt's poetry um, is relevant in the present day. And I've called that out of my time because that's the name of one of his collections. And we're saying, is he out of his time, really? It's John Hewitt on Brexit, COVID, shifting borders and changed identities. So that's a very relevant one. Uh, Gallery Press, very famous Irish poetry press. And uh, we've got a bunch of their poets uh, on the Thursday. Uh, a number of novelists, Emo McBride, people may know Emo McBride as kind of the new James Joyce. I know we always pigeonhole people, don't we? But, but she wrote in a completely distinctive way, uh, has won a number of awards. And then there's my talking to Misha Glennie, and I always think of him as the, the man who's gone to the mouth of the cave and looked in. He's chased up the cartels in Brazil. He's chased up cybercrime. He's been into the dark net. He did, covered the Balkan Wars for The Guardian, the BBC. He was there in the Czech Republic right back when Charter 77 was happening. And he's called his piece, and I think this is beautiful, The Four Horsemen of the Modern Apocalypse. Now, you can bet the plague is still up there, but I'm waiting to see what war and pestilence and famine and all those things, or what's replaced them. Is it cybercrime? Is it, well, we'll, we'll see. So the, all of those you can check out on www johnhewittsociety.org. I hope I've said that clearly enough for everyone. Yeah. And what I'll do on the, on the YouTube channel, on the Maverick Theatre YouTube channel, I'll put up a, I'll edit in a little picture, which I can do, I've learned. Ah, oh, yeah, marvellous stuff. Of course, uh, great. Thank you so much for your time. I and mean, we could talk forever. It's, it's one of the glories, again, of, of, uh, of being able to see you as well, with, uh, which is which is Yeah, great. it's big plus. Yeah, um, and so, uh, and, uh, I suppose, uh, stay safe is the new uh, salutary. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, stay there. What about you? Have you got a personal website? Yes, that's that's www.cattledallant.com. And I've always had to spell my name out anyway, as it's an Irish name. So it's C A H A L D A L L A T. www.cattledallant.com. And anybody who's interested in the kind of Yates Bedford Park thing, that's www.wbyatesbedfordpark.com. But it's maybe easier to find if you chase up our Twitter feed, which is at Yates Bedford Park. And if you just search for that, at Y-E-A-T-S-B-E-D-F-O-R-D-P-K. And that has a whole string of all the associations of Yates and poetry and architecture and art and everything that happened in this wonderful little uh, hub, this crucible that is Chiswick, that is West London.
Brilliant. Thank you so much for that, Cahal. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, and that's kind of it for the summer. We're, uh, we're away now. Resonance FM is closed during autumn. Well, I say closed, actually. They're still playing programmes, so don't tune out, but we won't be there. Uh, and I won't be at Edinburgh, so I don't know, I might sun myself. Uh, yeah, wander around Chiswick as lonely as a clod or something like that. So thank you very much for your time. I'll, uh, I'll see you in the autumn. I'm Nick Hennigan. <laughs> This is Literary London on Residence 104.4 FM.